Everybody had one. They, mine's in heaven now. Everybody's had one at one time in life. And um, so these things are just things that every mom wants their kid to know. So if you've ever had a mom, this is something for you to know. A spiritual mom, I guess. Praise the Lord. So let's just take some time and pray over the word. Believe that it's going to come out exactly how the spirit of the Lord intended it to come out. So, Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Father, that Jesus is the word. So as the word is among us, Jesus is among us. Help us to receive illumination and light for our heart. Help us to embrace truth from your word. Help us to be enlarged and expanded today. And I give you praise and thanksgiving, Father, that we are just receptive in this house today. We are receiving what you have for us today, that we can walk from here with at least a nugget, Father, a new truth that brings refreshment and reviving to our heart. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So since everybody had a mom um, at one time in life, and it's not about whether you had a good mom or a bad mom. Every mom needs improvement. Every mom needs improvement. And um, some of us were born in different, we were all born in different kind of households and things like that. And some of us may have had multiple moms. We, we might have mom, stepmom, second stepmom, third stepmom and on down the list, and we might have had somebody else that operated as mom in our life. But today, I just want to bring some truths out that what every mom wants their kid to know. So if you'll go with me, go with me to Proverbs chapter 6. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 6, in verse 20, it says, My son, or daughter, or people, Keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart and tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And you will, when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Now, He's saying here that your father gives you commands and your mom gives you law, okay? And the significance of this is when you will bind these things about your neck um, and you put them in your heart, it says that those things that they teach you will lead you, keep you, and speak to you. Amen. Now, take in like that he's talking about godly moms and dads. Okay, because some people don't have godly moms and dads, but we're going to look at what the word intended mom to teach you and what the word intended God to give you, your dad to give you. Okay, so he says, because when you roam, it's going to be able to lead you. When you're sleeping, it's going to guard you. And when you awake, it's going to be what goes off in your heart. These commands from God through mom and dad, okay? And he says, for the commandment which comes from dad is a lamp and the law that comes from mom is a light. 
okay now the word light here means to give illumination and understanding so when you're walking along in life and confusion is coming or frustration is coming or not knowing what to do is coming understand that godly maternal insight is what can help you with that okay and he says that reproofs and instruction are the way of life how many of us love correction now how many of us know Proverbs 12 1 it says he who hates corruption is stupid okay so we have to embrace the fact that we are going to be corrected in life and that doesn't start when you reach a certain age nowhere in this Bible does God give an age in numbers that qualifies you for not having to be corrected any longer okay so you have to understand you're always going to be corrected but don't let correction be a huge emotional deal just make an adjustment okay all right and you know probably the one thing that moms and I'm sure dads could say is we don't want you to have to live like hell on earth we do not want our children to live horrible lives in the earth that doesn't mean we didn't make mistakes but what we're saying is we would do anything to have you avoid a life of hell amen all right and um, know this okay um, like I said we're not perfect our prisons and streets of homelessness are filled with people that grew up in Christian homes they are filled we are always amazed when we're on the streets you know or pastors in the prison how many people come to them and say you know I was raised in a Christian home but I was raised with a godly mom but or I knew the Lord but so please understand sons and daughters regardless of your age where you came from has no bearing unless you keep where you came from in your heart and around your neck okay it does not affect you because there's other influences you have to picture this that the whole world system is going downstream and Christianity is going upstream and so if you quit doing anything about your Christian life you will automatically begin to go downstream you have to intentionally go against the stream okay and so what these things are these are just some things that God gave me that you want every kid to know and these things are the things that will keep you moving upstream because what you can't see right now downstream at the end of the downstream current is a huge waterfall drop and you can't see it right now but as you move closer and closer the the water picks up speed it picks up current it picks up power to one time you drop off and we want to avoid that for any of our children Amen. hallelujah 
All right. So the, these are my, um, God gave them to me as the onlys. The onlys. These are the things to bind around your neck. The first one is there is only one true God. There are not multiple gods. There are not multiple gods that can answer what's in your heart. There is only one God. We have historical proof that this Bible is accurate. Okay? Other, other um, uh, religious writings do not have the validity that this Bible has historically. The cities mentioned in here, many of them are still here today. The currency mentioned in here, much of it is still today. The people, the events, the historical happenings that were mentioned in here, we can see in other historical documents that validate this is absolute truth. There is no other document that is in written form that has survived as much as this Bible has survived and still is invaluable and still is the truth of God. This is the document you need to live by. This is the truth. Regardless of what educational book may say or may not say, whatever they tell you in the textbooks in your school may or may not be accurate. But the accuracy of this has never lost its power. Hallelujah. There is only one true God. We can see it even in natural evidence that there had to be a creator. You look at an eyeball. There is no way this eyeball evolved over millions of years. It is too intricate in its working. It is too specific in, it, in it, its purpose. All right? There is also the experiential proof. People on the inside that have experienced God. In the presence of God, you become forever marked that this is the true God. And even though other religions and other gods made claim a supernatural, there is not another supernatural that can enlighten you, that can free you, and make you filled with the joy and the happy of God, like the presence of our God. Amen? The other thing is you have an inner witness. You know. You know. You know that this is the real deal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this true God is a God of love that always sees you. He will always know you. He is always committed to you. And he is always available for you. This God that we serve is always those things just because of you. Hallelujah. And the more passionate you become for him, the more you're going to know him. See, life is not about knowing about God. It's not knowing about God. People can know about God and not know God. There's many people that know about you, but they don't really know you. Hallelujah. And this is the same thing with God. A lot of people can know about God, but they don't really know God. They don't know him well enough to call on him in their darkest need. They don't know him well enough to know what the situation in life is, if it's coming from him or not. But when you come to know God, you are empowered to walk in a level that is not common to man. 
when you know God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's imperative that you see God as the primary and priority of your life. It's like this. If God stands here in your life and you are at one of these other two positions, as long as you keep God above all, his influence always trickles down. His, and so once God is the primary and priority of your life, then he has the opportunity to influence you wherever you're at. But when you decide, my career is more important than God, so I put my career there and God here, God has no influence on that career because it's higher. Okay? So it's imperative to keep God as the supreme priority of life so that his influence can trickle through all the rest of your life. Amen. Amen. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5 in the Amplified. Hallelujah. Verse number 21. This is out of the Amplified. Little children. It's mom's day. Hallelujah. Children, keep yourselves from idols, from false gods, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God, from any sort of substitute for him that would take first place in your life. Amen, so let it be. He's saying here that there is opportunity for substitutes. There is opportunity for substitutes, but don't let any substitute take the place that is made for God in your heart and life. He said, stay away from any substitute. Stay away from it. Because the enemy always specializes in counterfeits. He always specializes in counterfeits. Making you think, if I just get this, if I just have this, if I just experience this, everything is going to be okay. But the problem is, that's taking a higher place than God has. And then what happens? There's no influence of God in it. Have you ever thought you wanted something, you got it, and it was empty? See, the advantage of being a mother is experience. And what we want for our children is to avoid all the wrong experience that we ever had. Hallelujah. Am I the only mom that thinks that way? If my kids said, I'm going to do everything just like my mom and dad did since birth, I'd say, oh, no, you don't. That isn't even a suggestion. That is a punishable demand. Amen. Is anybody else with me on this? We're trying to spare them hell. Amen. And, and they might say, well, we just want to experience it for myself. No, trust me, you really don't. You really don't. Hallelujah. You can, you can so far exceed and go beyond us if you just don't make the same mistakes we did. Amen? Hallelujah. So, one thing to bind around your neck, only there's only one true God. And do not give in to any substitute. Hallelujah. The second thing, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. How fast can we go through these? I'm not even going to tell you how many I have because 
I, we may not make it through all of them. And then the rest will just be for me to know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 11, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The second truth to know is you only got one enemy. You have only got one enemy, and it's not in physical people. It's not even in trials and troubles. You only have one enemy. His name is the devil. Hallelujah. You only have one enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Hallelujah. But you only have one enemy. Ezekiel 28 tells us that he was created as an angel. This enemy is only an angelic force which is inferior to the man race. Hallelujah. So that enemy has no power and has no authority over you unless you give it permission. You can refuse the workings of darkness. You can refuse the emotional havoc. You can refuse the sense of abandonment and loneliness. You can refuse anything that the word of God says was not made for you as a God person. Because it only has enough power behind it that the enemy has. And if you render him powerless, it will have no effect on you. God's intention is to bring you through life, not have life happen to you. Hallelujah. You only have one enemy. It's the same, the same enemy that cause emotional havoc is the same one that sends tornadoes. The same one that causes car wrecks are the same ones that get bound in circumstance. The same one that causes physical infirmity is, is the same one that destroys governments. We only have one enemy, church. The church will become so united when we realize we only have one force to fight. We don't even have each other to fight. And what they said about you, what they posted about you, what they exploited about you, all that is is the enemy trying to distract you and give him power. Don't let it happen. You only have one enemy. And the thing to know about the enemy, he is not omniscient. He doesn't know your thoughts. He tries to give you thoughts, but he doesn't know what you're thinking. He is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere. The enemy, just like the angels, are only in one place at one time. Now, he has a whole bunch working for him. But when you calculate this out, a third of the angels fell when Lucifer fell. So that means... At least double the amount of angels are working for you than are working against you. Because the other two-thirds are still intact. Amen. Amen. There's more working for you to find the will of God than working against you to keep you out of the will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. 
He is not omnipresent and he is not almighty. Hallelujah. He does not have all power and all authority. He only has what's delegated by the mouth and the hand of man. Hallelujah. Let's look at, did I give you 1 John 3, 8 in the Amplified? Hallelujah. Boy, if not, I, oh, I did. Uh, he who commits sin, who practices the evil doing is of the devil, takes his character from the evil one, for the devil has sinned and violated divine law from the beginning. Okay. The reason the Son of God was made manifest or visible was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. The reason, the purpose, the reason for Jesus was to undo what the devil's trying to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you have Jesus gone before you to loosen and destroy everything the devil wants to do. Amen. That was his purpose. That's his MO. All right. So you, there's only one God. There's only one enemy. And you need only one doctrine. God's good. Devil's bad. Bindings around your neck. God's good. Devil's bad. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at um, James 1, chapter 13. Let's go to the Passion Translation. Let no one say when he is tempted, uh, or you go to the New King James is fine. Sorry. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, Micah. <laughs> Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt any man. Now, in the, in the Greek language, there is a double negative on this phrase. Okay, and um, it's no, not, no, not is what it is in the Greek. And it goes on, and that word tempted says, and that word tempted is to be crushed or destroyed. So in the Greek, it reads, let no man, no, not one, not one say, I am crushed and destroyed by God. Don't ever say it. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is warning the church. It was to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Don't ever let come out of your mouth, God is doing this to me. And it has a serious, serious warning on it. Don't say God's doing this. And it says by God. The word by there is actually in Old King James. It's of God. But it, there's two different words it could be. Hupo or opo. Hupo in the Greek means directly responsible. Like, don't say, I am, I am tempted because it's directly responsible from God. That's not the word used here. It's oppo, which means remotely had involvement in. So he says, when you're in a hard place, don't ever let come out your mouth, God allowed this to happen to me. Don't ever say that. Well, it happened. God must not allowed it. God must have allowed it. He said, don't you ever say that. Don't ever say God allowed a chaos, a struggle, or something to diminish you. Don't ever let that come out of your mouth. 
because it is not the nature of God. He does not have evil to tempt you with. He is not aware of evil. He is not acquainted with evil. He is not connected to evil. He sees no evil. He knows no evil. It is only the enemy that does those things to you. And the more clear you become of that, the more you will walk free from everything the devil does. Hallelujah. Switch that over um, to... uh, Passion translation then. When you are tempted, don't ever say, God is tempting me. For God is incapable of being tempted by evil, and he is never the source of temptation. Can we go to the next verse, verse 14? Instead, it is each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil And lure them away into darkness. You need one doctrine. God is good. The devil is bad. And I make a choice which one I follow. Hallelujah. So can we go on to verse 17 in this scripture? In this passage? Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect. Streaming down from the Father of lights who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. That word streaming down literally means a downpour, like a thunderstorm. Now, you all have rain here in Oregon, but we have rain where we came from in Nebraska. You know, like sheets, buckets, Volkswagen bugs, whatever it is. You know, we have rain. And what God is saying here, I have outpourings of constant good to give you. Constant good to give you. Constant good to give you. The word of God even warns, don't let, don't call evil good and good evil. He says, woe to you for doing that. And these good gifts that God gives are these gifts that are, this is the definition of a good gift. That which improves, enhances, upgrades, completes, and supplements. Also, that which makes you perfect. He says, I got buckets of things to improve your life. I got buckets of things to enhance your life. I got buckets of things to supplement your life. I got buckets of things to upgrade your life, to complete it, to make it perfect. I got buckets to pour out on you. And don't say, if you get anything contrary to these things, that it's God that's doing it. Because he never changes. Well, what about these babies that died? And what about these car wrecks and... There's a source, and it's not God. There's a source, and it's not God. Hallelujah. Well, something good came out of it. That's because God is always good. He wasn't the cause, but he will always perfect. He wasn't the initiator, but he will always complete in his will. Hallelujah. If God could use destruction to make you closer to him, our lives would be total chaos all the time. 
Because God knows that's not what fixes us. It's the time we spend with him, recognizing how good he is that perfects and changes us. It's what you did in the midst of the trial that brought good to come out of it. It's not the trial. It's what you did when you were in the trial. Because in the trial, you clung to God. In the trial, you ran to God. It was the running to God that made it work out okay, not the trial. Okay. Hallelujah. So, only one God. I have my watch on there. Only one God, only one enemy, only one doctrine. And you be cautious. You be cautious what you lay at the feet of God as his doing. Be cautious about that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be cautious because God isn't even involved. There has been nobody that had to bear false accusation like God. God's been accused of so many things, and he's unmoved by it. Hallelujah. You know what happens is we, as, um, because we see good come out of it, what we find ourselves doing then is underneath hoping for a disturbance that will draw people into God. We are hoping for a disaster that will bring people to God. But it's all relative. The reason we need a disaster to draw people into God is because we need something lower than the position we're in. So if we would go to a higher position, we don't need a disaster to bring them up. They'll just say, I better go up. The higher stature you live in God the more likely that you can pull people up and you don't need them to go down before they come up moms dads your kids do not have to stray in order to find God that is a lie of the devil because you misstepped somewhere and now don't know how to rectify it they don't have to fall away before they find God I never saw that in the word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, so I'm moving on now. Okay? Praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise God. <laughs> only one God, only one enemy, only one doctrine. Okay, now these are, these are things that we would like to instruct you in. Okay? Maintain one attitude. Gratitude. Maintain one attitude, gratitude in all things. Because gratitude overcomes complaining. Gratitude conquers negativity. Gratitude opens the door for more. But gratitude also protects what you have. Remember back in Deuteronomy 28? In the midst of the list of the whole curse, it says in verse, I believe it's 47... It says, because you did not serve me, you didn't serve me with, with joy and gratitude or gladness of heart for the abundance of things that you had. So the curse comes when there is no joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of things you've got. So an attitude of gratitude is an antidote for darkness having entrance. 
An attitude of gratitude prevents the evil one from having access. And not just access naturally, but more importantly, access up here. If you get gratitude coming out your mouth, you can't take in complaining thoughts. If you get gratitude coming out your mouth, the wrong things will not be able to get in your head. All right? It's about maintaining an attitude of gratitude because gratitude always lifts hands open to receive. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Cultivate one attitude. All right, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5 in the Amplified. Hallelujah. Thank God in everything. No matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give thanks. For this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and meditator of that will. Thank, it didn't say for the circumstance. In the midst of all this chaos, I just lift my hands right now and I just thank you, God. Hallelujah. In the middle of it, I have noticed in the nasty times when I become grateful, I don't see the nasty anymore. And the more grateful we are for our children, for our spouses, for our possessions, for whatever, it keeps God as the priority. And so we never lose those things. Those things never go away. They never fall away because we have an attitude of gratitude. And the enemy can't get access to them because they're protected with gratitude. Gratitude is a protector of all that you are and all that you have. You have to cultivate an attitude of gratitude because it will arrest your thinking and puts the focus back on God. Now, it says here in the scripture that thanking God is the will of God for you. Now, do I get, did I give you Hebrews 10? Go to Hebrews 10. For you have need of endurance so that... After you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So notice, you have to do the will before you get the promise. And what we found over there in 1 Thessalonians is doing the will is giving thanks. So you have need of endurance so that after you've reached an attitude of thanksgiving, you can get the promise. See... An attitude of gratitude and giving thanks is always sandwiched between when you pray and when you receive. Gratitude always is in the middle. And the more grateful you become for that petition answered, the quicker that petition is answered. But many times we forget that little piece that I'm just going to be grateful. I'm going to be thankful. And Everything may be busting loose in all kinds of directions. But if you will find something to be grateful for, if you will cultivate an attitude of gratitude, it will change your spiritual position. It will change your spiritual posture. Amen? So only one God, only one enemy, only one doctrine, only one attitude. Now I want to talk about there's only one diversion to your spiritual life, all right? 
So let's go over to John chapter 6, verses 38 and 39. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. The one diversion in all of life for following God is a thing called selfishness. Every misleading, every misstep is due to self trumping God. All right? And um, what happens is um, Adam took on an awareness of self in the garden. He took on an awareness of self. Okay? I, unless you didn't know this, he was as naked before as he was after, minus the glory, okay? But he suddenly became very aware of what he looked like after the sin had been committed, okay? And so what happened then is all of mankind came under that nature of self-aware or selfishness. And everybody's born with it. You can say, well, I wasn't born selfish. Pretty sure you probably were. <laughs> Pretty sure you probably were. You know, and what happens is a uh, baby learns. To, you go into a nursery and you can find selfishness. <laughs> I want, I want, I want. My toy. My toy. That's my toy. My turn. It's my turn. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. Um, and then we get older, and it's not that. It's, it's my right to say what I feel. It's my job to help them see the light. It's my doing. It's my job. It's my work. It's my car. It's my house. It's my, 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 it's my. Okay? And the whole thing is trying to get us to continue in that fallen nature of selfishness, being so aware of me, my, my children, my rights, my privileges, my things, that we forget, no, our life is to do the will of the Father about others. The more you invest in others, the more that comes to you. It's not us four and no more. Some families, it's five, seven, 12. It's not us 12 and no more, okay? You know, you can look in the mirror, and this is what happens. You can look in the mirror, and you can say, oh, I'm so wonderful, which is bad. You can look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm just nothing which is just as bad because yep. they're both aware of self. They're both aware of your personal position instead of, oh, I'm glad I'm a child of God. Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. But there is nothing that will divert you from a spiritual walk more than what about me? What about me? What about my? What about our? 
What about us? What about the way I feel? What about what they've done to me? What about, it's the nature of selfishness. And we have to understand this. We have only one enemy, and that is his complete MO, self, self. The problem is he knows there is a place reserved in hell for him. He's already got a locker there, okay? He's got a place reserved in hell. And what he's thought is, how many of you can I make go with me? That's all he wants is to take you where he's going. Hallelujah. And it ain't going to work. Hallelujah. So we have to purposely throw off and resist a selfish attitude, a selfish mentality, because it is the one diversion that will cause you to struggle and stumble in following God. There's a pathway designed for you, and every time you stop and turn, there had to be in that the roots of what about me? What about me? You can't afford that diversion. Amen? Hallelujah. God has bigger plans. So we talked about one God, one enemy, one doctrine, one attitude, one diversion. Here's one ambition. To become one with him. Hallelujah. Now, understand this. When you become one with him, you become a recipient of all that he has. And so when we become one with God, all of heaven backs us up and, do, and makes provision for us in every area of life. All right? And if we can become one with him, we will carry his presence and be able to do the supernatural. Hallelujah. You know, um, all of mankind is born, born with a searching heart, searching for something that satisfies searching for something that gives delight, searching for something that brings joy, searching for something. All, all of humanity is born with that. There's got to be more. How many of you have ever thought there's got to be more? Amen. There's got to be more. There's got to be something else. There's got to be something better. There's got to be, it shouldn't be like this. There's got to be. We're all born with that searching thing. And what we have to understand is the only thing that can fully answer that is oneness with God. It's the only thing. Because every man was born with a hole in their heart. And the only thing that is exactly able to fill that hole is oneness with God. Hallelujah. And the enemy has lots of counterfeits. And he can convince you and absolutely make you believe that this will fix that hole. This is what you've been looking for. This is the answer you need. But it will never fit. Do you remember that toy when you had kids that were little? And it was circles and triangles and squares and um, a little bit different rectangle. And, um, you know, in the old days, we were permitted to have hammers. So we could pound these things and... <laughs> into those things you know I don't know if that's an illegal toy now or not but um, you know and there was stars and circles and um, on the one I had as a kid the star would fit into the circle but the whole circle hole wasn't plugged and that's the way it is with a lot of the enemy's counterfeits some of those counterfeits will fit into that hole 
but it doesn't completely fill that hole. And what God has put in our hearts is a hole that only oneness with him can completely fill. Amen? So um, um, we are supposed to become one with him so we can do what he did and greater works. Hallelujah. And I apologize to all of you that you think that we've made Christianity look boring. We don't try to make it look boring, but if it looks boring to you, then help us jazz it up a bit, would you? <laughs> do something supernatural. Hallelujah. Go raise a few dead. Hallelujah. Go lay hands on a few sick and watch them recover. Help us jazz up this thing called Christianity with signs, wonders, and miracles. Help us make it happen because that's what we're designed for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at John 14, 12 in the Passion Translation. It says, most assuredly, I, I tell you the timeless truth, just in time. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. Help us jazz Christianity up a bit to do everything that word says we can do. Amen? We're looking for mighty miracles. We're looking for extraordinary things, things that defy the laws of nature, things that man cannot explain. Hallelujah. That's what we're looking for. Psalms chapter 2 says that God sits in the heavens and laughs. He is absolutely delighted of what's going to happen in life. And he laughs. God is in heaven and laughs. If we become one with him, we'll laugh more. Laugh. Laugh more. And um, yesterday I was meditating on that a little bit about, God, you're laughing. I said, are you laughing at us? <laughs> no. Are you laughing with us? He said, no, because you don't laugh enough. He said, I'm laughing for you to divide your enemies. Because in Psalms 2, when you look at it, it's about all the devices of darkness that are coming to annihilate you. And God says, in response to that, ha, 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 ha. I just laugh. God's laughing for you because the enemy has no power over you. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. So if we're making it look boring, help us. Hallelujah. Don't be bored. Amen. So we have one God. One enemy, one doctrine, one attitude, one diversion, one ambition, and cultivate this one ability, hearing from God. Amen. Cultivate an ability to hear from heaven. Because if you can hear from God, you will never be misled, you're always guided, and you're without mistakes. Jesus was without mistakes not because of who he was, but who was directing him. Jesus was without mistake, not because of who he was, but who was directing him. John 12, 49 in the Passion Translation. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty... We need the next verse. That was not the right one, was it? 
I was out of time. 1249. Did I give you that one? I had too many to give them. All right. Praise the Lord. We'll go on. Jesus said, I can go read it in New King James. Hallelujah. John 12, 49. You got it? For I have not spoken on my authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. This is Jesus talking. Do you have verse 50? And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Jesus didn't come up with a thing to say. He didn't have to come up with what to say. The Father told him what to say. But the Father could be telling you what to say, but you're not hearing what the Father's saying to say. So you have to cultivate the ability of hearing God. You have to cultivate the ability of hearing God. How are you going to do that? You're going to start with things that are not life-threatening. Like, what color shirt should I wear today? You start with that. And then what you do is you govern on the inside. Do I have peace about that? Do I not have peace about that? And then the way to know is you make a declaration. I'm wearing a red shirt today. And everything inside you goes, okay, I'm not. I'm wearing a blue shirt today. I'm wearing a green shirt today. And I've cultivated an ability to hear God. Does it sound too simple? It's because it is. It's that simple. And the interesting thing is Jesus said that the enemy, did I give you 1430? Uh, what a day to train somebody new, huh? Okay, John chapter 14, 30. Jesus said that the wicked one has come, if I can read here, I'll no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Because he had heard God so precisely that the enemy had nothing to be able to grip Jesus with. There was nothing in Jesus, no misstepping, no out of line, no disobedient. So when the enemy came, Jesus had to lay down his life or he would have never died because the devil couldn't kill him. Hallelujah. There was nothing in Jesus that the enemy could hook onto. Nothing. Because he had only done what he heard, saw the father do. And he'd only said what he heard the father say. So that gave the enemy no place. If you cultivate an ability to hear God, then what you are doing is giving the enemy no place in your life. No place. Okay, I just got a few more, so I'm trying to go really fast. Okay, now hang on. Um, uh, be aware and guard yourself from this one deception. This one deception. And it is called spiritual smallness. And it takes on things like this. You can't. You aren't. You won't. That is the key deception that the enemy brings against the church. Because he wants them to think they are insignificant so that he maintains his significance. But in you wake up and you rise up 
and you realize who you are, what you are, whose you are, the enemy is made insignificant and you are made strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But the enemy works to make you feel inferior, worthless, without value. Hallelujah. And the counterpart of all that is this reason. Because if he can make you think that, you will adapt a new doctrine that says God is in control. God isn't in control. If God was fully in control, a lot of things wouldn't go like the way they are. God has given man dominion. And as far as your own life, you're in control. You think what you want to think. You do what you want to do. You be what you want to be. And then we sit and then we run into a crisis and wait for a miracle. No, you're the pilot of your life. God never drives a life. He directs and leads a life. But he never drives a life. The enemy drives life. He mandates and requires and pushes and shoves and makes demand on you. That is not the nature of God. The nature of God says this, I've made everything good available to you. Now choose. I suggest you choose life, but I will not require of you to choose life. I will not require it of you to choose life, but it is an option for you. And that's why it's so easy to stray from God because he doesn't require. He requests. He doesn't require. He requests. And so we sometimes just decide, um, your request is this. Nah. And it's all stemmed out of a deception of not knowing who you are. A joint heir with Jesus Christ. A co-laborer with him. Made in the image of God. Loved as much as Jesus was loved by the Father. Hallelujah. See, we lose that. We lose that. And when we lose our worth, then we begin to think we're powerless for change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're born with greatness. I don't even know. I'm just going to say these scriptures. If you got them, praise the Lord. Psalms 139, verse number 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. So he made you fearfully and wonderfully. It's not like saying I made you to have fear. He's saying I meticulously, intentionally, with great awe designed you. And all my works are marvelous. And my soul knows very well. Next verse. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and was skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. It gives you this understanding that God made you in a secret place so that he could display you. Every person is like that. Made so intricately, whoa, <laughs> intricately, 
designed you so meticulously, specifically. No two have the same fingerprints. No two have the same eye. No two have the same DNA. No two, no two. Never in the history of mankind is anybody going to have your same fingerprint. Because, dun da da here you are. And it says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written for me, the days fashioned for me. I wasn't fashioned for the days. These days were fashioned for me. Because I am a child of God. He decided from all of history to have us here on May 13, 2018 in this place, in this location, right here, looking like this, wearing this, acting like this, talking this, hearing this message and believing God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And no longer, and I'm going to think of myself insignificant in the whole planet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One deception, guard yourself from that. Don't think you don't count. Don't think you're not valued. Don't think you're not important. Hallelujah. He thought of you and then thought when to place you. He thought where to place you. He thought how to make you. Don't tell me you're insignificant. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Are you still with me? Okay. Develop one attribute. Proverbs 19.22. What is desired in a man? Kindness. Develop kindness. It's what people want. It's what people need. Kindness. Hallelujah. You know, kindness has lots of ingredients in it. Kindness is the golden rule. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Kindness is mercy. Overlook false weaknesses. One thing that's very important, though, is kindness has in it forgiveness. Without forgiveness, you have no connection. Hallelujah. So you have to develop this attribute. What you sow is what you reap. Hallelujah. What people want is people that are kind. Hallelujah. And um, this thing about forgiveness, Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive those against us, debtors against us, right? Trespasses. He wants us to be forgiving. Hallelujah. And you think about it, the entire work of the cross was about forgiveness, about God having a start to forgive man, a place to forgive man. If there wasn't forgiveness, we'd have no connection, no opportunity to be connected to God. So you have to learn to develop this one attribute of kindness in your life, including mercy and forgiveness. Um, there is nothing more damaging than unforgiveness. Nothing more damaging than unforgiveness. Um, and I could go on and tell you lots of things. Um, the story of the um, man that forgave the man that owed him a, a 10,000 talents. Remember that? And then he turned around and wouldn't forgive the one that owed him 100 denarii. Well, 100 denarii is a small portion compared to 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is actually 60 million denarii. So what happened is the, the head forgave him of 60,000 denarii, but he turned around and wouldn't forgive one for 100 denarii. 
And the, the, the uh, picture of this story is, if God forgave you for everything you've ever done, can't you forgive your fellow brother for this small thing that he has done to you? Hallelujah. We need to get a revelation of how much God had to forgive us of. Amen. Hallelujah. Only ones, bindings on the, around the neck. There's one other one. This is probably the most important one. The best Mother's Day any mother could get is to know that they will spend eternity in only one destination. Hallelujah. With their family. To know that your children are going to be in heaven with you. Probably the most important only one binding around the neck is to know that, yes, my kids are going to join me in heaven someday. And, um, you know, there's a deception out there that I have time to make that decision or I'll have another opportunity or down the road I'll make that move or later on. But the deception the enemy works on is to cut your life short without giving you the opportunity and the time to make that decision for the Lord. There is nothing that's more important to a mama than the fact that our kids are going to heaven. And I don't care how successful you are, how much money you make, where you live, what person you marry. I don't care about any of that when it comes up against, are you going to spend eternity in heaven or hell? Would any of the moms in this house agree with me today? Amen. Nothing is more important. Hallelujah. Why don't we all stand to our feet? So if you're in this house today and you don't know if you're headed for the one destination. You don't know if you are really going to heaven. Your mama wants you to, especially if she's already there. Amen. She's waiting. And maybe you're a mama in this house and you know your kids, that's where they're going, but you're not sure that's where you're going. We need one destination in this house. We need one destination. We need to go to heaven. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're in this house today and you don't know if heaven is going to be your final destination, but you know that it's where you need to go and you want a life now that will connect you to where heaven is, just lift your hand up for a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Any others? unsure that heaven is going to be your home someday thank you i see that one hallelujah hallelujah let's all pray this prayer today heavenly father i desire that heaven be my eternal home i ask you now to wash from me everything that hell has put on me. I ask you and I thank you that you receive me. Take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Those of you that raised your hand, if you aren't too embarrassed, we don't want you to be embarrassed, but I'm going to tell you this. 
If you start out bold, you'll live the rest of your days bold for God. Amen. Hallelujah. Those of you that have made that declaration, I want you just to come to the front for a moment so the pastor can lay his hands. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.